2: Love Talk Radio Alright fans The two minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 90, number 90, here on blocktalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. My name is Felipe Leon, and with us, like always, is from the Inland Empire, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight?
3: Very good, considering there was an earthquake last night.
2: There was over there. I didn't feel it. Yeah, Lupi, yes. I have to introduce you before you actually make a sound on the show. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and from the Bay Area, from the Bay Area, none other than Miss Lupe Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good, thank you. It's hot over here.
2: Yeah, actually, I was really? over there in your neck of the woods uh, last week visiting my brother and um, it was hot. It was super hot. It's hotter than then it's down here in Tijuana, how's it over
3: there with you david uh ninety six yeah
2: that's pretty hot too because I think it was like in the mid to late eighties over in uh in uh, north in the inland north and in, uh, north bay so um it's oh, it's nice. pretty 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 close <laughs> nice yeah it, but we're here on the coming <laughs> run every other week every other Thursday here if you like to call in and talk to uh talk some female boxing with us you can do so at uh 323 580 5735. And like it is pretty traditional here on the two minute round, we do have a special guest tonight. We actually have a first timer, somebody that we haven't spoke to, spoken to in almost 60 guests uh, that we've had on the show. And it will be the current WBA Super Welterweight Champion from Costa Rica, Miss Anna Gabriels. Hopefully, she'll be calling in about 15 minutes from Costa Rica to talk to us about her career, obviously, her back and forth, her recent back and forth with Clarissa Shields, and her fight for a three-minute round, and much, much more with Miss Anna Gabriels. But before we go into that, she'll be calling in about 15 minutes, let's talk about what happened last uh, Saturday from Mexico City, from the headquarters of the Azteca Channel uh, Studios in Mexico City, where veteran legendary Mexican female fighter Jackie Nava scored a unanimous decision over normally super flight weight. This fight was done at a catch weight of 120 pounds. Estrella Valverde over 10 rounds. Now, there wasn't three judges, but in an experiment by the WBC, there was actually seven judges, three scoring from ringside and four scoring from their homes Via television, I would imagine, and the scores were 100 to 91 two times, 100 to 93 times, and 99 91 two times. First off, Lupi, before you give us your thoughts on Jackie Navis's performance, what do you think about the seven judges and the scoring uh, in this fight? Uh, the
1: scoring was kind of wide. I think it was wide. I didn't realize that they had the seven judges. We we caught it, and and thank you, Felipe, for protecting me because then me and Blanca we turned it on and we were watching it the remainder of the fight. Uh, so we, I didn't realize that there was the seven judges. You know, three inside, and I think you know I listened to um Christy Ponce from Top Ranks. Uh, she was speaking yesterday, and I think they had one, and then they had two outside. So
2: seven judges, wow, that's that's a lot. Well, in the, in the previous uh, fight card that they did with Miguel Berchet they had five judges uh, scoring, but now for some reason they went to seven. Now, they don't have another programmed event from the Azteca channels as of right now, but if they do, they might go to 12 judges. Who knows? Now, as far as Nava, what did you think about her performance? You mentioned that you thought that scores were a little bit too wide. Well,
1: they were kind of wide. Well, you know, first off, I thought um, physically, she looked really good. Like, her arms, like, she looked in great shape. She looked really good to me. But And, and as we watched her, you know, I, I thought she was doing I – I thought she was going to knock her out. Like, as I was watching, I was like, wow, she didn't – but then she never – Nava never – Followed up on some punches, you know, a little bit, too many footsteps. There was, it seemed like there was excess movement, but nothing that was going to take her opponent out. But I still think, um, and I guess that's why I think the, the, the scoring was, was kind of wide on that.
2: David, David, did you get a chance to uh, watch the fight?
3: Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, I thought it was kind of uh, ludicrous that they had so many judges on a fight that hasn't been sanctioned. I mean, it's just a waste of money if it's basically an exhibition.
2: Well, I will touch on that um, later on in the fight chatter, and we could have a, a more thorough discussion on that. Oh, okay. As far as Nava, um, as far as Nava, I agree with uh, with uh, Lupi wholeheartedly. I mean, there was a lot of excess movement, especially from her footwork. There was this little move that she tried a couple of times where she would like go jump from orthodox to southpaw, and then you would think that she would start punching as a southpaw, and then she would switch back to orthodox, and that's a move that I have never seen her do before. I don't know why she was doing it. I don't know if she wanted to kind of confuse her opponent. Not that there was too much needed to confuse uh, Valverde, because Valverde was pretty... Uh, raw, I mean she would just come forward she was scoring with an overhand right uh, quite a lot more than, than expected so overall Nava quite honestly I don't know if it's from the the uh, lack of activity she hadn't fought in over a year, her last fight was in May of last year and that performance wasn't uh, up to par where a lot of people started to lose in the rematch against uh, Marcela Acuna and you know she got a draw and in that performance and this performance I think that if you give her the benefit of the doubt then it was the lack of activity if we want to be a little bit more critical I think at 40 years old we've seen you know a, you know, a couple of miles per hour off her fastball she doesn't look like she could pull the trigger uh, like she used to before like what Lupi mentioned looking for the knockout I think that in the later rounds, she was looking for the knockout. She's not a very hard-hitter per se, um, but I don't know, David. From what I saw, she mentioned in the post-fight interview that she's definitely retiring in 2020. I would probably give her up to the first quarter of 2021 if she could secure a fight against Mariana Bobby Juarez because that is a big purse and probably the biggest purse that she can get. But she also mentioned that she would like to face fight against Marcela Cunha. Those are the two fights that she's looking towards, but, um, but I don't know, David, just from watching, I think that if Mariana Juarez performs like she did in her last fight, which may or may not happen because she hasn't fought in a while either, and she's reaching 40 years of 40 years age as well, but if she performs the same, I think that she could have a fight against.
3: Yeah, Mariana seems to be at a better uh, place than uh, Nava right now. But you never know. You never know. Maybe the, the heat of the moment can spur her on.
2: Yeah, and uh, the thing is, is that, um, um, you know, Barbie Juarez had mentioned maybe a month ago that she, that, that Promociones del Pueblo, her promoter, and Teresa, the network she is basically uh, – Featured on, we're going to come back in 8 July uh, But I haven't seen anything since I think the fact that And now we can go into that story um, The fact that the That Mexico City The commission of Mexico City Has not sanctioned fights Is probably stopping them There's not a lot of other commissions That have gone um, To say that they're going to sanction fights Tijuana did at With closed doors I don't think, or with no public, I don't think that Televisa and Mariana Juarez or Promociones del Pueblo would need an audience to pay her because I think Televisa should be able to take care of a, a minimally her guarantee as far as the, as, the, as the fee. But I think that they can't find a place where they can have the fight because there's not a lot of commissions that are willing to sanction it. Now, going into that story, David, as far as the fight being sanctioned, Last last week, well-known Mexican magazine Proceso, uh, which is kind of like a like a a, a little bit more political leaning uh, Newsweek or Time magazine. You know, they they, they do a lot of stories, mm-hmm. but they they kind of lean more towards the political arena and more towards you know this kind of cases where they kind of try to like you know whistle certain things that are happening, and last week, well-known Mexican magazine Proceso published an article which set some light on the Stanford Organized fights Cards from their own bubble inside the Azteca Network headquarters in Mexico City. Since the capital of Mexico uh, is in a sports lockdown, the commission of Mexico City did not give the green light for the three fight cards held in Azteca Studios' headline by Emmanuel Navarrete Miguel Perchet, and this last one, Last Saturday, by Jackie Nava. The article revealed that the network hired three judges and a referee while following the COVID-19 protocols uh, set by the WBC. Because there's no official commission sanctioning the bouts, the network has gone on record to deem the fight cards a reality show. According to BoxRec.com, the bouts are not official and thus have been filing them as a no contest on their website. So basically the Azteca channel went ahead and since they couldn't get a sanctioning, they had mentioned maybe that they would have... Um, the state of Mexico sanctioned it, but that didn't come to fruition. So the fights, in a sense, are not valid. It's a reality show. It's basically boxing without an official commission, and they don't go on their on their records. There are no contests as a boxer right now. So, David, from a boxing, but from the boxer's viewpoint, in this case, concentrating on Jackie Nava. How much of an effect do you think it would... Do you think it bothers her that the fight didn't count in her official record, is what I'm trying to ask?
3: Um, I think... Yeah, that's hard to say. It's hard to say, because it's just an individual thing. Some people just want to get paid. But in uh, Jackie's case, I mean, she's near the end of her career, and I'm sure you know, she, she counted on that win. Maybe she has a magic number she's trying to reach. So that would affect her if... That's the case, but you know it's it's tough to say.
2: What do you think, Loopy, of the fact that the fights are basically a reality show? Does it take away from you as a as a as a fan or as somebody that's watching the fights? Does it take away from the fight the fact that they're not uh, professional fights?
1: Well, now that I know this, and going back and how I was watching the fight, maybe that's why. And there's also the COVID lockdown, like the rust, so you need that tune-up, but maybe that's why she wasn't fighting as I thought she would. It could. It could affect the way you, the way you, unless you're really competitive, but maybe that was it. Maybe that's why we didn't see what we thought we were going to see.
2: What I find interesting, and it wasn't the case with the Jackie Nago fight, because obviously that wasn't broadcast by ESPN in the United States, but... The Emanuel Navarrete and Miguel Berchet fights were broadcast on ESPN in the United States. And they had, the first one had Bernie Osuna as a, as a play-by-play man with uh, Timothy Bradley and uh, Andre Ward on there as well, doing the commentary. And then the second one had uh, Joe Story back on the play-by-play. And, you know, in a sense, ESPN broadcasts on their airwaves Uh, non-sanctioned fights, fights that were not professional fights. Basically, they broadcast a reality show from Mexico City. I am sure they knew that that was the case, but I find it very, very interesting that ESPN, in a way top-ranked, because I'm sure that top-ranked in a way had to be involved since Sanford is involved, gave that okay. David, do you think there would be any repercussions to that fact that those fights were broadcast in the United States when they weren't professional?
3: uh well i i think the professional but but you mean sanction right
2: well yeah sanction i mean they they shouldn't go on their official records because there isn't a commission there sanctioning the fight it makes sure that everything that the commission does at a professional fight card happens you know the weigh ins are done in a in a just and, and timely manner in the way that they're supposed to um the way that the do we know that, or that the referees or somebody from the commission where they're watching um, the fighters uh, get hand-wrapped? We don't. We don't know anything that happened because there wasn't a commission there. So, you know, there are professional fights because there are professional fighters and they are getting paid, and that makes them professional, but they're not official fights and not being sanctioned. So I wonder if there would be any repercussions uh, as far as ESPN. I mean, I can believe that. The Azteca Channel in Mexico would do that, but ESPN. Do you think it hurts the credibility?
3: Um, I think it does for ESPN. I, I know there's going to be some people that pay attention, and, and they're going to uh, say something on Twitter or one of the social medias, and make some kind of comment. But generally, the fans just want to get entertained. You know, they don't pay attention, but there, there's always somebody. That will, but the majority no, they don't Yeah, they, I don't think the
1: majority has. The and Go it's ahead, lockdown, right? So nobody, it's lockdown. There's nothing really happening, you know. The fights, people just want to see fights, and they know they aren't getting even with top ranks, the best cards, you know. But they're getting something, and I think people understand, you know, it's lockdown boxing, slowly coming back. So I don't think they'll be judged so hard.
2: The, I think, and this is a, a point that uh, my par- I have a, a Spanish language podcast that we do uh, uh, every week as well, and my partner on that uh, podcast, Renzo Novara, he he, what actually he brought up as far as the the topic is, you know, if you're going to have this kind of fight, and obviously, like you mentioned, look we're on lockdown, and we're we'll and we want to be interesting and everything, but shouldn't you disclose the fact that that is they're not being sanctioned and that they're being deemed as a reality show. I mean, when, when the contender was on way back when those fights were professional, they, and they were sanctioned. They had the the California commission. They weren't just releasing the results until the fight was actually broadcast on TV. So, but in this case with Sanford and Mexico city, they're not even going there. there. There's no, there's no commission. So they're not being sanctioned. So we'll see if any of the, uh, U.S. or English language uh, media pick up the story and see it where, where it goes with that. Now, we are waiting for our special guest here, Ms. Uh, Anna Gabriel, the WBA Super Welterweight Champion, uh, to, for her to call in from Costa Rica. I would expect for her to do it uh, any minute now. But um, last week on a conference call organized as part of this year's WBA convention, which was actually done online, Clarissa Shields, Anna Gabriels, and Cinez Estrada went on record to mention that they are willing to fight uh three minute rounds versus a two minute round, that they want to fight three minute rounds, that they're gonna do everything in their power to fight uh three minute rounds, and they wanna make or they wanna help make the three minute rounds the norm in female fighting. Clarissa Shields on the call went as far as to say that after her fight against uh, Mary Eve DiCeri, uh which is hopefully scheduled sometime in September, that her fights from there on out will be at three minutes. David, you covered this uh, story for the com. What can you add to to what Anna Gabriel and Denise Estrada and Shields uh, said about the three-minute round?
3: Uh, yes, they're pretty uh, emphatic about wanting to do it. Uh, they see that as uh, as a uh, better test uh, for people's skills and, and, and a better uh, chance to really show what they can do. They uh, All of them seem to have that consensus that two minutes is very short and it's more like a very quick sprint. And just that extra minute could add a different uh, element to the fight game uh, for women. And uh, so far, they were all for it. Um, there was one other uh, fighter there. I, I didn't get a chance to what she said i think she, her name is miriam uh gutierrez i think it is from spain i'm not sure no I, I'm it's, I think
2: it's i think it's gonzalez and that was the one um she was the one that um that uh that that might have gotten the uh the uh the um the assignment to fake face katie taylor she's undefeated um but uh, but obviously we will talk about that in a bit. The fight that's happening with Kay Taylor now during the conference call, David, did they mention anything uh, regarding? Well, did WBA say anything?
3: Oh, uh, the yeah, they say actually anything? um, they did support uh, the three minute round. They always have. He he mentioned the fact that you know they've been doing it for uh, as far back as uh, 2006, I think, when or seven when uh, Layla McCarter first did it, when she was the first female to win a WBA title. And in that fight, she fought three 12-minute rounds. Oh, it was scheduled for three 12-minute rounds. I was actually at that fight. Uh, it was against up Biggers. And uh, it, it only went two because Layla uh, stopped her in two. But, uh, yes yeah, I mean, he, he supports it, and he says as long as the women want it. That's what he supports.
1: Yeah.
2: Hmm. What do you think about the three-minute
1: round, uh, Loopy? I always fall back on. I think it's up to the the fighters. You know, I've heard I've heard all the arguments with um, women are more prone to concussions or the female boxing isn't where it should be yet. But I always go back. It's up to the it's up to the girls and it's up to the the fighters. I mean, I, I when Martha fought the ten rounds. Three minute ten rounds against Sonia Laminakis, and I was there for that. It was an it was incredible. It was exciting. It was um, it, it I I guess it shows who had who's more conditioned, and and that what it does. Who has who has it in her for that extra, you know? And, and it, it, it is exciting, David. I mean, you could show it shows the difference between the conditioned boxer, you know, and Martha Juan and. And Sonia Lamanakis, I mean she she actually um, put in a grievance because for the three minutes after that. But if you're if you're working, it shouldn't that extra minute well I guess it's all the difference, right? It shows who's ready. So I always put it back on the fighter. If that's what they want, that's what they should do.
2: Now, Lupi, I was at the first two conventions, um, set by the WBC, the two female conventions, the only two female conventions that any sanctioning body has had. Um, I wasn't at the third, which you were in the Philippines. At the first two, they did have these seminars, and they had some medical people, you know, give a talk, explaining their position on the two-minute round.
3: Mm -hmm. In the
2: Philippines, did did they do that again, or they didn't even mention it? No, they did.
1: They did it again, and they explained, um, you know, that women are more prone to concussion, and that's their big, uh, that's what they fall back on, you know? I mean, but the three minutes, I mean, it gives them more time to set up that knockout, you know? That's why, I mean, I've heard all the arguments, but I really think it falls on the fighter. I mean, they're the ones in the ring, you know? Is it, is it worth the money? for that extra for that
2: extra minute. I, I see your point. Because you know I see I see the point. I mean I could I could see the point of WBC that if they have concrete evidence that you know that women are more prone to concussions and obviously getting hit to the head more can lead to a concussion and the fact that the round will be a minute longer so it will give them more of a chance to get hit more, which can lead to a concussion. I can see that. I also see David's uh, argument where if we left it up to doctors, they would ban boxing uh, yeah, the whole sport because yeah. they wouldn't recommend for anybody to get hit in the head at least two or three times a round let alone a hundred times around, like we usually see in some fights. Um, but they, so need, hey, the,
1: Felipe and David, they need to get paid but, more for that extra minute. Well, is it worth? Everything is relative,
3: I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. There, there's an argument well, pay us more. But the, the no. thing is, it's still about who, how many numbers you could draw. That's what it really comes <laughs> down to.
1: Yeah, and then they, the fighters have to have to realize. I mean, is it worth that one minute to still be getting paid? It's got to be worth it for that extra minute because you're getting, you know, for those hits. You know, women just want well, equality. We want it to the Well, the thing is,
2: is that boxing is not like a regular job where you punch in and punch out a certain time and you mm-hmm. get paid by for the time that you're there. Like David mentioned, it's all relative. Now, if a female, if female boxers started fighting three minute rounds and the fights there was more knockouts or the fights to a certain extent became more exciting then those female fighters are going to you know get more popular and demand and able to demand more money that is a way that I can see it leading to more money but for it to be lead to more money for the fact that they're fighting an extra minute every round i don't think that's going to happen you know but With us now, which can give us actually the perspective of an actual fighter, is none other than the WBA Super Welterweight Champion, Miss Anna Gabriels from Costa Rica. Miss Gabriels, is that you? Yes,
0: I'm here. How are you guys? Thank you.
2: Thank you, uh, Miss Anna Gabriels, for uh, joining us here on the two minute round. Uh, we thank you. You're the first time that you're here with us. And with that said, I'm going to pass the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right
3: ahead. I'm so sorry for the trouble. I know that it's it's kind of a troublesome reaching us all so over from Costa Rica. But but welcome to our show.
0: It is my pleasure. Thank you very much. And it was, you know, I'm just, I feel like a granny with all these things, uh, with all these um. Social media and technology, so no worries. It's probably was my fault, but it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, our
3: last our last guest was actually from Poland, and we went through the same uh, uh, problems. Uh, it's it's just one of those things that when you come from outside of the country, there's little problems here and there, technical things. But but we have you here finally, and so so tell us first um uh. How did you feel uh, hosting that show for the WBA just recently?
0: <laughs> well, um, it was fun. I know I made a lot of mistakes. It was my first time as a moderator, but um, it is. It was. It was a great opportunity, and it was amazing to be, um, you know, having that conversation with with so many great fighters and so many great people. So it was amazing. It was amazing. Hopefully, I'll do a better job next time and and make some other people prouder.
3: <laughs> I, I thought you did a great job. I mean, I'm I'm being honest. I thought you did a really good job.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's, it, I'm I'm honored. I'm honored coming from you. I'm honored. Thank you.
3: Uh, no. uh, so, Hannah, tell us. So, w- what's it like in Costa Rica right now? Um, for, for our listeners, uh, Hannah Gabriel uh, lives in Costa Rica and she's a WBA super li- uh, welterweight champion and she's been also the WBO super welterweight champion as well. And what is it like in uh, Costa Rica regarding the, the virus and and the people and, and even your training?
0: Well, it was handled pretty good at the beginning but I always I always believe that when the responsibility is collective, then you can you cannot really expect a lot, you know, because everybody's a different world. Everybody will likes to believe that somehow they like to believe that you know it will never harm them or it will never affect them. And so right now today we had like the biggest amount of cases. Of COVID nineteen, and uh, we are all worried, but um, we also trust that our, our health system will be able to handle this. We have a great team in the government, and they have been doing a hell of a job. And I just hope that the you know the people um, is willing to listen and to follow the instructions that that the health. Um, Um, that the health system is asking us to do.
3: And have you been able to train? Uh, Do you, and where do you train?
0: Well, I have a a boxing gym for the community here. I live in Tavares de Mora. It's a place in San Jose. It's close to the mountain. So I'm pretty pretty much far from everything. And... um, and I live I, I live right on the mountain, so we have a, a a big property with a lot of green, and so we are training here. Uh, sometimes I go down to the gym, um, but because of the amount of cases I have going up, we have to we have to stop going there. So I just uh, today I brought with me a pair of um, sandbags. And I have all my uh, all my equipment here so that I can start back in tomorrow. I wasn't able to train today, but I'm already training every day.
3: Oh, okay. And a lot of people don't realize that before boxing, you were in, in track, track and field. And what did you do as, a, right. as a track star?
0: Well, um, I did track and field since I was five years old, and around nine years old, I was able to get into a track and field team. Um, I did everything. In Costa Rica, at the moment, it was very important for the teams, for the local teams to, like, win the national games. So I was strong, I was fast, I was um I had abilities, so I was doing everything from a heptathlon to the individual um in individual um oh I don't know how you how you say that. Las pruebas individuales and uh, individual, so I huh? will do a hundred meters, huh. I would do a hundred meters, hundred with hurdles, 400, 400 with hurdles. Eight hundred I will do everything that was in 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 the field uh from shot foot uh, this javelin um the jumps, long jumps, high jumps. I will do pretty pretty well. I was supposed to be a big star, but then I got injured, and that uh, you know that retired me uh, when I was around seventeen years old and How did you get
3: involved in boxing after that?
0: I uh, um it, it is kind of like crazy because I got involved in boxing just to uh lose some weight. It was never my plan to to box. Um according to the doctor that saw me when I was 17 years old, he said that I was never going to be able to do sports again, which was uh devastating for me um my background in track and field the reason why I was so um into track and field is because uh that sport was my safe place i uh, had a a sexual abuse when i was 5 years old and at that time was also when my parents um took me to a a a competition and i found like peace, I found a safe place for me there. So when they told me that I was never going to be able to do sports again, I, was, I always say that I felt nude and without a purpose. And I also believe that there's nothing worse in the world than having a person that is really determined um, to not have a purpose, you know, they'll become very self-destructive. And that's why how I became, I went into depression. I gained a lot of weight and um, I was around 206 pounds and uh, my dad, you know, he just advised me to go into the boxing gym. He used to box as well. And I, uh, for about four years, I was, then now, not really interested in in doing much because you know um because of what the doctor told me I actually believed it. And then um my depression um took me I, I hit bottom and I started I started to um see suicide as an option. So I decided mm. that I would do Everything I could, and I would do it with excellence to see where could that excellence take me in boxing, and here we are.
3: Jeez, what was the injury that you had?
0: I had a prob- uh, I had a problem with the um, lumbar disc between the L oh, okay. five and the sacrum, and by the time I was probably twenty 27- seven something like that 20, 28 more or less um i wasn't able i wasn't i wasn't able to walk very much and so i announced it, i announced the retirement of boxing and a whole bunch of angels came along and they helped me to get a surgery so i have a i'm a bionic woman i have <laughs> a a prosthesis of of a disc in my in my column and that actually uh, helped me not only helped me to keep keep my career, but I'm able to go under the punches and all the movements that I wasn't able to do before.
3: Wow, I didn't know that. That's a that's an amazing story.
0: It's, so you <laughs> fought. I mean, you're Fight, you're
3: you a world champion now. That's a, that's incredible that you had this uh, severe yeah. injury and. Became a world champion. Oh, I'm going to pass you on to Lupi. and I think she has a lot of questions for you too.
0: No problem. Hey,
1: <laughs> hi. It's you know, it's great. How are It's a you? pleasure to have you. It's actually a pleasure to have you and be able to speak to you. You know, Hannah, you're you're thank incredibly you so beautiful. You're you're incredibly beautiful. Oh, you're a beast you. inside the ring, and you're looked up to by so many girls and women, not just in Costa Rica. But all around the world. And you know, I, that so, is
0: my privilege. It,
1: it's, yeah, it is. You know, I'm so sorry you were sexually abused as a child. And it, is this the reason why you've supported social causes? I mean, you've been promoting uh, health, women's empowerment. Prevention of gender-based violence, and you—you had a a great response to the situation of refugees and asylum seekers in Costa Rica. Does it all stem from wanting to help out those that need the voice, like you needed a voice?
0: Yes, I believe. um, I've always been the type of person that likes to see everybody, you know, just be victorious. I believe that we all deserve that, and my background coming from a background where I was in a point or I were in a point, point of my life where I did believe that I wasn't worth it. Um, and, and because of that reason I was so self-destructive and um, it it just seems to me like we are all great. And uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, when we grow, we are teach in schools how to add, how to how to write, how to read, but we are missing the um, emotional tools so mm-hmm. that we can deal with um, a better emotional intelligence. All the big tests that we will um, confront in life, and mm-hmm. um, it just seems to me like we have to give the benefit of the doubt. Um, people nowadays is very quick to judge, very quick to point the finger at the, at, at everybody, and mm-hmm. um, it just seems like we don't understand that everybody has a story, and most stories are filled with uh, tragedy and um, a lot of uh, trauma, you know. And um, yes. if you go to the statistics, uh, under the age of 10 years old, uh, all, uh, uh, children, it doesn't matter their gender, they suffer sexual abuse at uh, 50%. It's just the same. You know, so that means mm-hmm. that half of us in the world already be, uh, are already growing with that type of, of trauma in our lives. And that is just one of the types of violence that we see. But we have, you know, the physical violence. We have the psychological violence and Mm -hmm. um, the gender-based violence. So many types of violence, and and most people is not even aware of it. And Mm -hmm. um, the violence always happens um, to the people that is vulnerable, you know? And it just seems to me... um, that when I went into boxing, um, my life changed because finally I felt uh, I felt secure that I would be able to defend myself if I needed to. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to um, self-defense, it's not only about the physical conflict, it is also about setting boundaries, it is also about being aware, it is also about you know, recognizing what's good for you, what what doesn't feel good for you, and um, I always I always thought that my big passion it is you know to serve others, to help others, and boxing has become a platform, an amazing platform for me to reach as many people as I can, and I'm just um, you know I believe that I boxing I'm gonna be doing this same the same thing actually I'm trying to um get into conversations with the government well right now because of the covid nineteen um mm-hmm. everything is is on hold, but we were already speaking with government and other entities so that we can try to build the first prevention violence prevention center in Costa Rica, and hopefully that will be also um the Latin American setting
1: why you are your country's most praised boxer I can see that in fact in 2019 last year Costa Rica's national sports games were dedicated to you for your achievement in sports how did that feel
0: (laughs) oh it is um, I believe that everything that um, people um, decide to like honor me with is just a blessing and um, you know like maybe fourteen, fifteen years ago the only thought that would cross my mind was, you know, to, to suicide. I thought I wasn't mm-hmm. worth it. I thought that, you know, good things only happen to some people and mm-hmm. and bad things will happen to people like me. And just um when I decided to walk with Christ, because I accepted him uh, uh, accepted him as my uh savior and everything, and I decided to mm-hmm. give myself a chance um, all of this have happened, so i just mm-hmm. uh, I just feel blessed and I just want to be a a i just want to raise my voice um to tell people that they they're amazing you know that that sometimes we don't feel like um we're good enough or sometimes our circ- circumstances of life um just just uh have us under the shoe like we mm-hmm. the only thing we can see the only the only way we can look is uh down but you know we have to give the chance to we have to give ourselves the chance to see something further in our hearts mm-hmm. and to feed that, you know, and and yeah. it might, it might, um, if if we give ourselves that chance, they might be able to see great things happen to their life, like it will have, it has happened to my life. I'm sorry, it's hard to speak English and try to no. ex- you know explain everything. <laughs> no. You're getting your point across clearly, and it's
1: beautiful. You know, I can, I can feel what your country people mean to you, but what if, and I, I can also feel what you mean to them, but pre COVID, before the lockdown, what was your relationship with the people on your day to day life? Like when you went to the store, or you just, do they recognize you? And how, what was your relationship? <laughs>
0: It's always fun because um, I am very lucky. Like people that follow me, they're, um, I don't know, in Costa Rica, they're different. They give you hugs and they uh, usually they come to me and they say, well, you know, Hannah, every time that you fight, I pray for you and I'm so worried that things will happen (laughs) to you or to your opponent. And it it is cool because I, I believe usually... When it comes to fighters or boxing, people is like you know I enjoy when you beat them and this and that and just it just seems like the people that follows me um are able to see uh further and to always wish us well you know Mm -hmm. our health and uh, our health is always first and they are able to support. Support my opponents and support me without the hatred, and I love that about the people and um yeah, every time that I go out it's it's kind of difficult. I always say that the moment that i I step outside my my house, I'm not longer my mine <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the people, and so you know that way that way um you avoid to feel um overwhelmed. When, you know, when people does not allow you sometimes to, let's say, eat or Mm -hmm. um, if I have to go, let's say, if I, uh, if my daughter was to uh, want to go to the mall, I will not be able to take her because people will never let me uh, (laughs) go into the second floor until like it's one hour past. So those kind of of experiences... um, my daughter has it with my mom or the the other grandma and stuff like that. But people is great. I feel always honored, and I know that this will pass sometime. Someday I'm not going to be relevant, you know. I'm going to be just a, a memory, and that's, that's going to be okay. So I'm not mad at, at the situation uh, currently, and I know it will pass, and then I'll be able to... To probably eat somewhere without being um being interrupted. That's fine.
1: Yeah, but I think they'll, the people will evolve with you. So when you, you're past boxing and you go into, you know, the work that you really want to do, you'll have that whole army behind you supporting you and praying for you. So that's actually a good thing.
0: Thank okay, you very
1: Hannah. much. Hannah, let's talk boxing. So your team... Consists of your husband, right, Brian Vasquez, which I think it's awesome that all of our husbands are involved in what we do or at least support what we do. Your manager yeah. Hector Fernandez de Cordova, your promoter yeah. DeBella. and recently you added yes. your conditioning coach Evans Tobler. And he was it. Right. Was it Evans? Was it Evans who said, "Move over, it's time for the takeover." Did he say that? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So does okay, so does this take over um is that in reference to Clarissa Shields?
0: Is yeah, well, is about everything. He actually he's been trying to get to work with me, I don't know, for the longest. He he tried uh, maybe for 10 months. He would write all the time and my husband is very um he you know, he don't trust many people and so he doesn't like many people going into the team. And then I finally one day I spoke to him and uh we started working and I'm in love with his ways. He's he's very a lot of fun. He's trying to kill me every day. He says, I will take you to the grave and back and we're gonna take <laughs> over and it's a lot of fun, you know. He also he, he is um I think he was in track and field and um since I became a boxer because I I never had an amateur career I only had one one amateur fight um oh. boxing stuff I had had to learn it in you know the in in this time with the professional fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. um but i don't remember to be in such conditioning um in such conditioning um that that will help me to be the best that i can so um before i knew how to box i was good with conditioning and then um you know in costa rica it's very difficult for people to understand that a hype uh, or an, an elite athlete needs, um, uh, you know, we need to invest in, the, in our camps, right? They want to see yes. you winning, but when it comes to uh, investing in the camp, nobody is really getting it. Yeah. Um, so I have missed a lot of the conditioning in the last fight. We have done the best that we can, but because of the background of of, of my coach, I know that we both understand um, where can we go, where can we reach, and of course, it's about Clarissa, you know, is if she wants to be undisputed in 154, she has to face me, and this is my division, and um, most of the critics that I got, it was like, oh, Hannah, you got tired, your conditioning wasn't as good. But I always try to tell people that for that camp for that training camp we we didn't really have many resources. Uh, I've been a boxer by myself for, for quite a while until DiBella Entertainment came in. And um I also I have also tried to explain to people that when you go into a fight um um and your strategy is based on movement and speed. Of course, you're gonna get tired faster because it's a you know it requires a lot of energy. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually thought that Larissa was was a lot stronger, and I came to find out that not really. So I'm excited to see what is going to happen in my division this time around and with the great conditioning. And much more, but much better skill than before.
1: Okay, so that rematch will happen.
0: Um, it has to happen if she wants to be undisputed, and I can, mm-hmm. I can wait. I'm okay, so, so excited.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: okay, so that one has to happen. So, what about Raquel Miller? Why haven't we heard? Do you want to fight Raquel Miller? I mean, she has the interim belt. Do you have plans to fight Raquel? Do you yes. even care about Raquel? Because it seems to me like nobody really does. Um, I've told
0: her. Um, I told her that I will fight her. Um, I had an injury in November last year, and I've been recovering. Right now, I'm training every day, and I feel great. And um, she actually got mad the other day because um, she was like, "Well, I can't wait for Hannah to come out of the, you know, the injuries so that she can fight me." And you know, when when a boxer comes out from an injury, they usually have a tune-up fight first, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I said to her, "Well, you know, whatever. If if you're uh, if I have to fight you as a mandatory, I'll fight you right away. You'll be my tune-up fight." So she got mad that I said she would be my tuna fight. But it's <laughs> just, just facts. You know, after a injury, if you go to a fight, you're supposed to have a tuna fight. And if she is the fight, it doesn't, I'm not being disrespectful, like saying her level is not what it should be because she has demonstrated and she's in the, you know, she's ranked. I'm just saying that if I have to go to her first, I'm, I don't mind. But that would be my tune-up fight, and I'll be ready. I'll be ready.
1: Yeah. So then you
0: don't care. You'll fight anybody, anytime. It's not a problem for you. I'll fight anybody, anytime. The thing about my division, and I understand why. Um, I understand why money, money in women's boxing is not big. And um, you know, when you finally get a chance to fight for a belt, then you win that belt. Uh, most 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 women don't wanna let go on that. So mm-hmm. I've been in this division for quite a while already, almost 10 years. And the reason why I haven't fought the champions is because they never wanna fight me. So mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't been able to unify the rest of the belts. But now that Clarisa is in and that she wants to be undisputed, this is a great opportunity for me to get the, all those bells.
1: I love it. That's great. Hannah, thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Hello. And I'm going to turn you over to Felipe. <laughs> Hi, Anna. Me too. I'm so
0: excited. <laughs> Hello. Buenas noches. Bueno, me escuchas?
2: Buenas noches. Hello?
0: Sí.
2: Adelante. Oh, oh okay. Okay, Anna. Um, you know your English is b- perfect.
0: W- where did you learn how to speak English? <laughs> I wish it was perfect, and I wish I would have so much more practice so that I, I don't I don't go like like this. Um, I learned in the states. I was eighteen years old. And I was given up an opportunity to work in a hair salon um, to help a friend. And I didn't know how to speak English then. But um, I'm a fast learner, and um, I tried to learn 10 words and their past, future, all the, all the ver. I don't know how you say that, but a lot of How do
1: you
0: say that?
2: The tense yeah, like all the past the, tense, like the present tense, tense. to uh-huh. all of
0: those words that I can learn exactly. So that I can learn English as fast as I could. And uh around three months later I was able to communicate with the customers and make appointments. And about six months later I was able to speak to everybody. And um, you know, I was just blessed that I was given that opportunity. Without that opportunity, I don't think I will be able to to speak to you right now, and and you know, to to be lied to that my English is perfect. <laughs> no, I know it, it's it's not perfect, but at least you can understand me. I thank you so much. <laughs> what city in the United States did you live in? I lived in Oakland, California.
2: Oh wow, Oakland, California. Wow, that's awesome. Um. Now, you mentioned the abuse that you suffered as a as a young girl, and you you also mentioned that sports uh track and field, and in a way boxing, and obviously uh, Jesus Christ helped you overcome it. but did you get any other help you know uh regarding it because you seem uh, pretty grounded with with what happened and you're willing and able to not only talk about it, but also use it to help other people. so did you have any other kind of help besides the sports and and religion to to get through it?
0: Well, um I believe that um, I just got sick of myself uh, so so many times. I believe that the route for change uh or the moment uh for real change comes when, when you're sick of yourself and sick of your bad decisions and sick of you know just making the same mistakes and and being hurt and hurting people. And um to be honest, one of the things that I remember the most and I always I'm always so thankful for is that um in the moment that i in the moment of my life that i hated myself the most i found a group of women you know older women that were able to build me up you know it's mm-hmm. just like um that's why i believe that uh, i believe so much on, in empowerment um because when a group of women come together and we build ourselves up we are so powerful and we can um, impact so many people it doesn't matter if they're kids it doesn't matter if it's a man it doesn't matter if it's uh, somebody older or younger it's just um, that, that that wisdom and that kind of love is very strong so um, I don't. I didn't uh, had therapy or any of those stuff. But I was I was at some point surrounded by people that was able to to ask me, for example, why you hate yourself. I see you. I see mm. you, and I know you are great. You know, and I know that you will be great. And these things were said to me uh, in a moment where I didn't believe it. And I remember, uh, I have an aunt that she saw me signing on a, on a on a paper, like my my sign for for business and whatever. And she was like, "You need to make that shorter." And I was like, "Why? What's wrong with it?" And she was like, "I don't know for when you start um, giving autographs." And I remember <laughs> laughing so hard. I was like, Your "Autographs? Are you crazy?" And it just seemed so funny to me at the time. And um, right now, I don't, I don't think I, I spend a day without even an autograph, and it's, it's just amazing. How, how some people have this capability of seeing through you, you know? Uh, we are sometimes our worst enemy. and those women were you know, they they were my eyes at the time.
2: So, did you make your autograph shorter now that you're uh, giving autographs all the
0: time? <laughs> no, I made another one because that, uh, was, that was always, you know, my, my legal signing has always been the same one, but yeah, my autograph is shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Then I'm, now, trying to, I'm trying to write it very nicely, so it takes me a little bit of time.
2: Now, your husband is a well very well-known and world-class fighter, Brian El Tiquito Vasquez. I actually had the pleasure to see him fight here in Tijuana a long time ago. I saw you there also at the arena, but I was too shy to come up to you. You're one of my favorite fighters, so hopefully next time I see you, I have the, the courage to at least say hi. But... What are the advantages and the disadvantages really? <laughs> yeah what are the what are the advantages and disadvantages of being married to another world class fighter?
0: well, first, let me tell you, man, why didn't you say hi? I would have give you a big <laughs> hug, now we cannot give hugs because of the covid nineteen <laughs> that is a shame but 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 I'm hoping that I can meet you someday, and it will be my pleasure. And um, well, I think there's more advantages than anything. I believe that boxing is very tough, and nobody, if, if you're not in the game, if you haven't been a fighter, you don't you don't really get to understand um, how difficult and how uh, lonely this sport is, right? And so um the fact that my husband is so good at at it, you know, because uh I've, he has a, a bigger and and longer career than mine. And I know that he has much more abilities than I do and um I am really lucky to have him by my side and and to be able to learn from him. And uh I think that our particular situation in a country where boxing is not big, but um the fact that through boxing also we have built our family, we have had our daughter and um we have we have had also the opportunity to uh, build something with our lives that we never thought that it was going to be possible to do it is just amazing. Disadvantages, he gets really cranky when he's losing weight. <laughs> and I want to kill him. But, <laughs> um, well, uh, another advantage is that, you know, when we are mad at each other, we can spar. And... Uh, Things so will be he good after the sparring session. Um, but isn't he? What is? Well, yeah, he's I like one thirty. What weight? Is, he's like in the thirties and forties, isn't he? I'm sorry, you guys cut off. What did you say? His, I'm sorry.
2: His weight class. He's in the like 130,
0: 135 pounds. Right now he's going up to 140. So you you guys sparring, you're taking a biggest. advantage. I want him to Anna. fight in 147. Yeah, but you, you take it, him fighting at 140 and you're at 154, you take it. At oh, yeah, advantage. but no, like he yeah, yeah, but he doesn't weigh 140 every day. Are you crazy? <laughs> ah, no, 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 no. He's, that's not his weight. He goes down to 140. He's a small guy, but he's very, like, he gets heavy easily. And so, I'm never, he's Never in disadvantage. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Now
2: you you, you mentioned
0: no, no no, we have a great uh a, a great um a great chemistry and a great relationship.
2: Now you mentioned um, that at hundred and fifty four pounds you feel that You know, that being your weight class and the fact that you're working with a conditioning coach is going to help your conditioning in the rematch against Clarissa Shields. Now, in her professional career, you are the fighter that has had the most um, success against her. You sent her down. You dropped her the first time that she's ever been dropped as a professional. Do you feel that that is something that you can use as an advantage for you in that rematch, the fact that she knows that you have the power to send her down to the campus?
0: Well, I, uh, on the first side, I never thought that I had the power to put her down. Like I said, I thought because she was a bigger girl and she was in higher divisions, um, you know, my my power wouldn't be enough. But, you know, to be honest, when it comes to knockdowns and knockouts, uh, you know, uh, force or strength has something to do with it, but it's not not all not all. You know, it it is about placing the punch and and the the um how you call it, the rhythm like the time. The timing, uh, and the rhythm. timing, the timing. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, yeah. I it's just like 154 is is where I feel comfortable uh and I think that knowing what her power is and knowing that uh I'm in my um, I'm in the place where I am actually stronger quicker and everything I'll do a better job and plus you know um last fight was a a emotional fight for me you know she. She spoke, um, she said so many things and she talked so much trash that I really wanted her to know that I wasn't afraid of her, you know, so I wanted to go in there and just, just uh, go all over people have told me. Well, Hannah, you know, you have to get a better corner. And to be honest, I wasn't able to, to hear much because I just wanted to do my thing. <laughs> so I wasn't listening to my corner, and that was my mistake. But um, <laughs> I always say to people, you know, um, I I didn't have an amateur career, so there is a, a lot of mistakes that I will be doing um, just because, you know, I don't have that many fights. But I'm trying to do the very best that I can With the time that I have left, and hopefully when I retired, um, you know I'll 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 be much better than I am today. There's so much, much more to learn, and I'm willing to learn all that. And I'm willing mostly because I want people to enjoy great, um, great boxing when I go into the ring. Now, my last question
2: for you, Anna, is. Last week, uh, during the WBA uh, digital convention that you and uh, David spoke about, you guys had a conversation including Clarissa Estrada, about the three-minute round. So what would be your best argument of why female boxing should have the three-minute round versus the two-minute round?
0: Because in two minutes, you're not able to do nothing. It's like there's time for nothing. The time passed too quick, and the strategy, you know, everything is like in a rush. And um, it doesn't matter what people will want to say. Uh, people talk about medical uh, arguments and stuff, and, and uh, we all train longer. We go into the ring. I train usually. I do five minute rounder, five minute rounds and then go to four and then go to three and then just to get used to the speed i'll go to two when it when the fight is closed but um i believe that um we are we need that time to actually um get more knockouts and get more more excitement in the ring, so that we can um work better in the strategies and and whatever we're bringing to the to the fight. And um, luckily, uh, when I spoke to, when we were having that conversation, uh, President, uh, President Gilberto Mendoza said that, you know, um, the WBA is allowing the three-minute rounds already. We just have to ask for it. So um, Clarissa said she won three-minute rounder And um, when we get to that fight, I'm for sure asking for three minutes. And I know that if she wants to do that, she will do it. And then we will have a three-minute round fight for this rematch. And I will will always try. Now that I have the um, green light from the WBA, I will make sure that all my fights, I'll ask for those three minutes on all my fights. Um,
2: now, now you, you just prompted me for another question. I'm sorry because I know you've been with us uh, for a while and we thank you. But, you know, Clarissa has some of the belts. Sorry. You have the, the 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 WBA belt. If that fight were to happen and you asked for the three-minute round and Clarissa agrees to the three-minute round but the WBC does not agree to it, would you be willing not to fight for the WBC title and only the other belt, uh, Or would you – uh do the two minute round so you can win all the belts.
0: No, I'm okay with that. I'm okay I'm okay with with uh having a three minute rounder and sacrifice whatever belts will come in. Actually um Clarissa was very clear on that conversation. She said if I have to give up some belts to get those three minutes, I will. So I'm thinking right now is the time for us women to, you know, to raise our voice in, into what we want to happen in the ring for us. You know, um, for the longest time, um, there's men deciding on how we should fight, and when, what, uh, the amount of time that we should fight, and then how many rounds we should fight, and all that. And that has to change. You know, they have to give us the opportunity. That um, guys are or men are also given. So yeah, if I if I have to sacrifice um, not getting the belt, all the other belts that I would like to have under on, on you know me, um, I'll do it. I'll perfect. I'll I'll, I'll I'll stick to the WDA because they're actually um they're actually backing us up. In, in that, and they have always backed me up in everything. So that's that's the belt that actually really matters to me. Awesome.
2: Well, Anna, you know, this is um, – um, uh, we didn't talk about this now, but I just thought of it in solidarity with you and all the other females, and I'm sure that David and Luper are going to agree with it. The day that the three minute round becomes normal for female boxing, we're going to change the name of our show from the two minute round to the three minute round. That's what we're going to yeah. do in solidarity <laughs> with, uh, with yeah, female yeah. boxing. So, thank you, Anna. You know, this, uh, this interview was was awesome interview. We want to thank you. You've been one of my favorite fighters uh, for a long time, and I've, I've been wanting to do this interview as well as David Avila and Lupe Gutierrez. So we want to thank you for going through the trouble of being here with us and giving us some of your time, and we wish you all the luck in, in the future.
0: Well, I thank you, and like I said, this is, to me, it is a blessing. I never thought in a million years um, that I will, be, um, I will be appreciated in this way. Um, so I thank you for those words. Because they're so nice to my heart, and it's so nice to hear them. And it's a pleasure and a privilege to be uh, on this interview with all of you fine people. (laughs) Thank Thank you, you, Anna.
1: Love you. Have a
0: great night. Have a good night. I think we lost. You too. Bye bye.
2: Bye bye. Bye and there you have it, all the way from Costa Rica, Miss Anna Gabriel's the current WBA Super Welterweight Champion. What a great interview. Another long one, but usually tend to have a little bit of longer ones when we've never interviewed the the fighter before, because that way we get to uh, get to know him a little bit better. And wow, she really um, opened up my eyes to certain things. I mean, I never knew uh, the, yeah. the strategy that yeah. she had gone through, but she sounds like she has I mean, I don't want to use the word overcome because I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been a, a, a victim of that, but I don't think that you could ever overcome something like that. But the fact that she's willing to speak about it and use it in in her social work and 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 everything else, um, you know, is very admirable, and and, and we thank her for being with us. So that was a that was a great interview. Any thoughts on the interview before we move on?
1: Yeah, you know, Felipe, it doesn't get easier. You just get stronger when it comes to certain situations, you know. Uh, You know what I do want to say? This proves, I mean, Hannah and Clarissa are the real deal. I mean, for all the haters and the shit talkers, you know, uh, anti-Clarissa, and there's a lot of them out there. Bam, she's willing to give up some belts for the three minutes. So there, she's not just about herself. She's truly for the sport and for women taking it forward. So there you go.
2: And awesome. I think that's something that we touched on last week where that's what our last show is that that's what we really need. We need people like Anna Gabriels and like Clarissa Shields. And I'm not, I'm not sure if Sinisa Estrada uh, stated that as well, but people that are willing to yeah. put sanctioning bodies in, in their place in a certain sense and say, hey guys, if you're not going to support us and what we want as female fighters and the equality that we feel that we deserve in the three-minute round, then we won't fight for your titles. Now, how are the promoters are going to be involved in that? I don't know, but, I mean, as far as, as Golden Boy, what we've seen from Golden Boy, they're willing to do the three-minute round, and I believe that they would support their fighters, that if the fighter says, hey, if the WBC is not going to allow us to fight three minutes, I don't want that belt, let's go for something else, I believe at least Golden Boy Promotions will be willing to, to support him in that, and and we'll see Luke develop He's been adamant about the two-minute round here on our show and other places, so we don't know, uh, but we'll, we'll soon find out. Hey, Felipe, um,
1: can I ask a question, mm-hmm. a quick question, sure. and I don't mean to be offensive. I, it's actually it's an honest question. Is Lou DiBella relevant still? Mm. Well, Does he still have I, the power that he had before? That's what I want to know. Does he still have the power he had before?
2: Well, I mean, right
1: now,
2: he he, go ahead, David, and then I'll give my opinion.
1: Oh well, he has
3: some very good fighters tied to his stable, uh, with uh, Hannah Gabriels, uh, Raquel Miller, Magic Brown. Exactly, he has some very good fighters. So yeah. he does, no, you he know, does. he does have a place, no, especially with female think, fighters.
1: You know, then, then maybe that's not the right question. I don't know.
2: He just he doesn't have the ties just... that he used to have before. He doesn't have a tie with Showtime. He got in trouble with Showtime. He's basically yeah. uh, on the on the bottom end of of promoters trying to get a date, you know, he has to go and knock the door of, of the zone and top rank and whoever has the dates for the T V networks. But like David mentioned, he does have some really good fighters. And one thing about no, Lou de that we yeah, one thing that about Lou that we can't deny is that for a long, long time he has supported female boxing. In fact yeah. some years yeah. ago mm-hmm. the two men around did name him the promoter of the year.
1: Yeah. And he so, was well deserved. I was just asking. I'm just, you know. No, no, it was
2: a valid, it was a valid question. Now moving on to another promoter, Eddie Hearn of Matchroom Boxing, uh, announced the return of his company and a sense of boxing on the zone with a number of fight cards from his backyard in Essex, England, which he is calling the Fight Camp. In their week number two of the series, set for August 7th, the WBC right. Super Featherweight Terry Harper will make her first defense of against amateur standout Tasha Jones. On week three, August fourteenth, super bantamweight Shannon Courtney will face Rachel Ball in a national fight in England. And the next night from Oklahoma, one of the most anticipated female fights of the year has found a home. The undisputed welterweight champion Cecilia Breakhouse will defend her titles against unified super lightweight champion Jessica McCaskill. So that fight is going to come to fruition. That is a couple some weeks away. So we'll spend more time on some future shows talking about the Jessica McCaskill against Cecilia Breakhouse fight, also the Terry Harper and Tasha Jones fight. After much back and forth, the rematch between the undisputed world lightweight champion Katie Taylor and former WBC Delphine Persoon has been officially announced for Saturday, August 22nd. That is part of that fight camp. I think it's week four, live on the zone from Eddie Hearn's backyard. It didn't happen without any controversy. At one point, Pursun herself stated the fight was off. Mere minutes after Eddie Hearn made the official announcement on his Twitter account, there are rumors Persoon was balking at the fact she would have to enroll in VADA to be able to face Taylor for a second time, while her rep would not go into detail what Hearn was changing in the contract that didn't sit well with Team Hersoon. Earlier today, VADA confirmed Persoon's enrollment in the program, David. You actually received that confirmation from VADA. What did they tell you, and what are your thoughts about Uh, all this controversy
3: regarding this Kenny Taylor fight? Well, I contacted contacted, uh, Dr. Uh, Margaret Goodman and uh, she basically said that she has enrolled as of Monday. So that means that whoever said that no, there was no fight, it might have been a phony social media account. I don't know. Mm. But uh, according to Goodman, uh, Delphine Pursuit enrolled uh, as of Monday, and so did Katie Taylor
2: now david you've been in pursuit of the results of their first fight happened last June June first in New york city you've contacted the california commission the I'm, I'm sorry the New york commission um, yes, you try to get it from vital you try to get it from from um, uh, the w b c so what are your thoughts now? Do you think that, I mean, we would imagine that she was enrolled in VADA for that fight because it was during the clean boxing program for the WBC and Katie Taylor has a strict VADA policy that if you're going to fight her, you have to enroll in VADA. So what are your thoughts on the fact that Persoon has enrolled and do you think that they're going to be more transparent the second time around?
3: Uh, I'm hoping they're going to be more transparent this time around. That last time, we still don't know. They, the results have never been revealed, for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, wh- who do you blame? I mean, it's the WBC contracted FADA to do it. FADA uh, is contracted not to reveal it. The I guess the only blame you can give is the New York State Athletic Commission, because they're supposed to they're supposed to protect the public the fighters, and they're supposed to be transparent. They're a public organization. They're not a private organization like the WBC Arvada. They're they're a public. So I, I got to lay blame on the New York State Athletic Commission for refusing to reveal what happened. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I think they're not doing their job. If they're not doing their job, then what are they doing it for?
2: But – would they be responsible if the WBC are the ones that contracted VARA? So if Vada and the WBC have an agreement between themselves that they would not disclose the results, or at least Vada wouldn't unless the WBC said so, I would imagine, if they're the ones paying. And if the WBC not disclosing, where does the NY commission, the New York commission land, if maybe they didn't even have access to the results since the WBC is the one paying for it?
3: No, I doubt that. The New York State Athletic Commission has to have know what happened. They have mm-hmm. to. Uh, they're the ones that are supervising the fight. They're the ones that are sanctioning the fight. They're the ones that have inspectors at the fights. They do all of that. And uh, if you've ever uh, and I know for sure that you, Felipe, have done that many, many times. You've dealt with commissions. You're very uh, good at that too. But they, they've. They know everything that goes on with testing, especially in New York State, which has a lot of fights. Uh, mm-hmm. And they've been doing it forever. They they have expertise more than most states. And for them not to reveal <laughs> simply because somebody tells them not to, I mean, that's not right. I mean, uh, yeah. wh- I don't know what's wrong with New York, uh, but, but I think somebody uh, that lives in New York should uh, look into it.
2: Also, I think there would be a disservice that if the truth lies that either one of them, we can only, we can only accuse Pursuit of it, but if either one of them uh, was dirty, then the Ooh. NY, the New York Commission will be somehow held accountable for letting the fight happen, or if they found out afterwards, not sanctioning the fighter, so maybe there is some uh, some reasons there why the commission would not allow for the results to come out. Lupi, now that the fight has been made again uh, with Taylor and Pursune, do you think that in the future we see Taylor Serrano?
1: Yeah, I'm. Well, I guess it depends on what what's going on with that whole situation between Eddie Hearn and Amanda Serrano and. You know, the contract and the $10,000, I mean, it depends on all that. It's all business, I guess. And that is, I think that's where my my question stems um, regarding to Bella. That's, it's been on my mind lately about how that whole debacle with Amanda, you know, what he let out, what he said he didn't let out. And then that's where that question came from. So it all stems on the business side. Amanda's willing to do anything, and you know what? She's worth it, and you know, it is a million-dollar fight, um, because you know if you ask a million, you're going to get, like, five, you know? So, I'm what, seeing what, Toronto, Amanda on this. I'd wow. be upset, well, too. I'd be just, like, frustrated.
2: What do you think, David? Do you think that we see it in the future? Uh, maybe before the end of the year?
3: Uh, I think so. I really do, and the reason why is that they're in pursuit of that million-dollar payday, Katie Taylor, mm-hmm. and if she doesn't get it for this fight, which I'm pretty sure she's not going to get it, because yeah. of the you know the the virus, no fans. But in order to get that million-dollar payday, Amanda Serrano is out there, and they can do that with fans, and they can you know add that purse, uh, add the monies made from tickets, to to the uh, purse for Katie Taylor. So I, I think that fight's still gonna be there once the the virus is uh is uh taken uh, control of.
2: Now with that said, I, I I wonder if Serrano loses some leverage because you know, they were able to make a a fight that many fans have gone publicly on social media state that they like more and they look more forward towards than the Amanda Serrano fight, the Pursuit rematch, because that is the only fight that Taylor has looked vulnerable in as a professional. So I wonder if Serrano loses some leverage to the fact that if they try to negotiate again and things start going sideways, Eddie Hearn can say, well, if you don't want to take the fight, I'm sure I can find somebody else to fight Taylor, just like I did with Pursuit on short notice and for less money. You know, that is the question that I have. Towards the future and making that fight. You
1: mean, you mean, you mean like the Terry Harper Natasha Jonas fight?
2: What do you mean as far as that?
1: <laughs> I mean, he could have paid more and brought a more exciting fight in,
2: and he didn't. Well, I mean, it's the first, it's a first, it's the first defense. I mean, usually when a fighter yeah, wins yeah. a when, wins a world title against a, a champion, like uh, I forgot her name, uh, the one yeah. from uh, what was she from? I forgot her name. Uh, Eva? The hundred. 100- Yeah, the the 130 pounder. um, You know, once you beat a world champion, then usually your first defense is is, I wouldn't say an easy touch or an easier touch, but not a world class fight. Well, Tasha Jones is a world class fighter, but not somebody to the likes of Mikaela Mayer, who is a beast. Um, A beast. So you know, I I understand that way. You know, and with Taylor, you know, like David mentioned, they are looking for the million dollar payday. Now let's move on because we do have about a minute and a half. Upcoming calendar, Tuesday, this Tuesday, July 14th, from the bubble at the MGM Grand Las Vegas, live on ESPN. Mikaela Mayer faces Helen Joseph in a 10-rounder, 130 pounds. So we finally get that fight after the whole COVID-19 debacle with Mikaela Mayer. And also next Tuesday, a week after uh, the Mikaela Mayer fight, from the bubble as well, MGM Grand, Clint Clavel, The Canadian will be making her U.S. debut against Natalie Gonzalez in an eight-rounder at 112 pounds. She's the recent recipient of the uh, Humanitarian Award from ESPN, and she will be making her uh, her U.S. debut on the network on July 21st. Our next show is slated for July 23rd, where we'll be talking about these two fights, any other female boxing news that might pop up, and as always, a pretty good interview as well. So with that said... From here, from the two-minute round, hopefully soon to be the three-minute round. We bid you (laughs) good night.
3: Good (laughs) night.